Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Welcome to Parkway. I'm so glad that you're here today in this series, Stretch Thin. We've been talking an awful lot the last several weeks about all the things that keep us busy, that keep us stretched thin. But the truth is, it's not just a busy schedule that keeps us stretched thin. It's other things as well. Let me show you. Um, If you were here uh, week one of this series, you'll remember this. Uh, We talked about the obligations that we have in life that keep us stretched thin. And and if these dodgeballs represent things that are are part of our busy schedule, our obligations that keep us stretched thin, some of those things are, you know, like things like our work, um, other things like, like managing email, and then that special project that the boss gives us that we've got to work on, and then there's you know, taking kids to games and practices and tournaments, and then there's working out, and then you're like, oh, maybe you started dating someone new, but you know, like they're kind of needy, and so that takes up a lot of time. And then there's like, oh, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to start eating right, and so I'm going to change my diet and shop for different stuff. And pretty soon, I got all these things, that I, all these commitments that I've made that are keeping me really stretched thin, but then what if something comes along in life that's heavier than all of these things? Because look, not all obligations are the same. Some things in life just carry more weight than other things. So what if something that comes along that's heavier, like a lot heavier, like like a 20-pound medicine ball. What if one of those starts coming your way, right? And so then, all of a sudden, you're looking at your life, and you're looking at that medicine ball, and you're wondering what's going to happen if that hits your life, right? And you're thinking to yourself, oh, no. And then, oh. And then that medicine ball hits. And that actually did kind of hurt a little bit. But thanks, Gary. That was fun. (laughs) But listen, there are some things in life that are so heavy that even if you tried to do some other things, like you can only do very few of them because this one is so heavy. And when your life looks like this, it gets you stretched thin in a hurry because it doesn't take very much to get you overloaded overburdened and overcommitted because the weight, it's the same shape, oh, but it weighs so much more. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, A couple months ago, Amy and I were having dinner with uh, some friends of ours who actually don't attend Parkway Fellowship. We actually do have friends outside of church. Um, And they're all all very nice. So anyway, we were having dinner with our friends, and uh, the, we, were t- we were just talking about the things that God's been teaching us lately. And the wife of this other couple speaks up, and she says, you know what? God is dealing with me about how legalistic I am. And I, she says, and I know it all comes from the fact that I grew up in a really legalistic household as a kid. So I, like, I know it's my issue. But these last couple of years, God has really been changing me. You know, and I have thought about that. I thought, well, 
When do people at Parkway Fellowship learn about how to not be legalistic and the traps of legalism? I mean, like, when have I ever taught about that? Okay, but, well, first of all, let's start with, like, what is legalism? Okay, legalism essentially is when there's rules for everything, okay? And if things are not done according to the rules, well, I mean, I'll tell you what, there's consequences at that point. And look, in, in, a legalistic, in a legalistic environment, there's very little patience, very little tolerance, very little understanding for someone who goes outside of those rules or breaks those rules. Look, and I should know, okay? I'm a recovering legalist, right? Okay, because listen, when Amy and I got married, I'm telling you, like I was as legalistic as they come in, and getting married to Amy was really, has helped me like so, so much, because when we got married, like I had rules for everything. Like I had rules for, um, I had rules for how long leftovers could be, you know, kept in the refrigerator. I had rules for making sure that we bought more than one of everything so that there would be backups for everything so you would never run out of anything like ever for all of time. And so I had rules for how to unload and load the dishwasher. There were rules for everything. In fact, I even had rules for how to properly rotate socks underwear and t-shirts so that that would prevent anything from wearing out prematurely. Yeah, I, I mean, I really did. Listen, and when I started, when we got married, I said, hey, well, here's, here's how you rotate that stuff to maximize optimal wear. She just looked at me. She's like, you're kidding. I was like, no, no, no. She's like, look, I, she's like, Mike, I love you. I'm willing to do a lot of things, but I'm not doing that. Okay, so, so no, hold on. We sat down and I explained to her how economically, you know, smart this was to rotate and make sure that things were done a certain way because, like, there's big payoff. And, a lot of, and so anyway, so at the end of that long conversation, we reached a compromise. She doesn't rotate anything. That's what we're I know. Yeah. Now, now look, it's, <laughs> it's all fun and games when it's just like, you know, like meaningless stuff, like rotating clothes. But here's the thing. With legalism, it never stops with just rotating clothes, does it? Legalism wraps its, wraps its tentacles around everything in life that it can get a hold of. One of the most deadly is our perception of God. Now, before any of us go down the road of thinking, oh, well, I mean, I'm not a legalist. I didn't grow up in a legalistic home, and so I'm not affected by legalism. Here's the deal. More of us are affected by legalism than we think because, look, every household has rules. Every household has rules. And that, look, and that's not what's bad. Where things get sideways in a hurry is when we get in the mindset of my parents love me more when I obey and they love me less when I disobey. And as soon as we start down that road, it doesn't take a whole lot of, lot, lot of distance to get to, um, to get to the thought of, well, I earn my parents' love by obeying the rules. And it doesn't even take a whole lot of rules to get to that point. And left unchecked, it eventually it morphs into, you know what? I'm loved when I'm good, and I'm not loved when I'm bad. So I better be good. And I'm telling you, when we get to that point, that amount of weight that that carries and how deep it permeates, whew, 
I'm telling you, that, that becomes a heavy, heavy weight to bear. And you, and listen, you know you're carrying legalism in some form in your life when you say anything like this, say things like this. I feel so guilty that I don't think I can go to church. Or, God, I've been a good person, so why'd you let this happen? Or, my day's probably not going to go very well because I didn't pray or read my Bible. Or, I don't want to follow God. There's just too many rules. Or, God, I promise I'll do better if you'll just do this one thing for me. Look, I, I don't think that our Heavenly Father like, is ignorant about that kind of stuff. Like, He knows that kind of stuff sinks, and He knows that we're affected by it. And look, don't think that these issues are new to modern man. Okay, they've, they've been present in uh, in people since literally the dawn of humanity, which is why Jesus himself addresses this specific kind of burden in a set of verses that really are the theme for our entire Stretch Thin series, okay? So before we unpack what Jesus says, let's ask this question. Go ahead and pull out your message notes, okay? Let's ask this. Why does Jesus say, I mean, what does Jesus say to unload the burden of legalism? What does he say? The first thing he says is that I need to come to Jesus. I, I just simply need to come to Jesus. Look how he starts these verses. <clears throat> he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, Jesus is talking to a group of people who have grown up in an extremely religious, legalistic system. For example, in addition to what was in the Bible, the ruling leaders of the day came up with an additional 613 laws that you had to keep in order to follow God. 613! And a whole bunch of these laws had to do with what you could or could not do on the Sabbath because according to the Ten Commandments, you could not work on the Sabbath. So then they had all these other laws of what you could do or not do that would be work. For instance, <clears throat> If on the Sabbath day um, there was a fire, you could not put it out because that would be considered work. So you know what? If your house caught on fire on the Sabbath day, hey, just break out the marshmallows and hot dogs, baby, because you can't put that thing out, right? You just might as well enjoy what you can, right? I mean, how ridiculous is that? And listen, the religious leaders of the day would have said this. They would have said, the reason your house caught on fire on the Sabbath is because God is mad at you. You've sinned, you've done something, you've broken the rules, otherwise God would not have let that happen. I mean, you see how twisted up that gets in a hurry? And they had all sorts of other rules. Um, another rule was that you could not untie a knot on the Sabbath day, because that would be considered work. And it was right after that, they invented Velcro shoes for children, like, because they, yeah, all right. And another rule was, was that if you were writing a letter, and you like, made a mistake, you could not erase more than two letters, two characters on the Sabbath day because like that would be considered work. Now they had another rule that says you couldn't write more than two letters on a Sabbath day. So I guess they kind of figured it like it evened out, right? But all that, like, can, can you imagine growing up under that kind of a oppressive legalistic system in that kind of a legalistic life? Can you imagine that? Well, that, that, that was their situation. And so when Jesus says, when he says, hey, 
Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. The context of what he was talking about was all of the religious rules that they had. All of that heavy, heavy, heavy stuff that was weighing down. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And everybody there knew exactly what he's talking about, and everybody there went, that's exactly what they said. And, and I want you to think about yourself for just a second. So perhaps, perhaps you grew up in a legalistic church as a kid. Or, you know, maybe you grew up in a really legalistic household. Look, either way, if you might feel like you have to act a certain way in order to be loved. Or, get this, maybe you grew up on the other tree. Maybe you grew up in a home where there were no rules. But unfortunately, the message is exactly the same because since nobody cared enough to give you rules, the message you end up receiving is that nobody cares about you. So whether you grew up with a ton of rules or no rules, the message is the same, that you're not loved. And so somehow you have to do something to earn that love. But look, there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus says, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he's specifically addressing those who are trying to earn God's love. And Jesus says, look, it starts by coming to me. Like, you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to perform. You don't have to keep a certain set of rules. You don't have to jump through these hoops. You don't have to do any of that stuff. It starts by you just simply coming to me. Look, and that, that's, that's why going to church is so important. That's why going to small group is so important. That's why doing a daily devotional time where you meet alone with God is so important because all of those things are you coming to him. And when you come to him and you spend time with him either at church or by learning about him in small group or in your daily devotional life, when you come to him, that is you experiencing firsthand that you are already loved by God. You don't do those things in order to become loved by God. You do those things because you already are loved by God. That's what he says. So Jesus says, look, it starts by you just, you just come to me. Just, just come and experience for yourself. That's what he says. Okay. Second thing, he says, is that I need, to, um, I need to relearn how to treat other people. I need to relearn how to treat other people. Look what he says in verse 29. He said, Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, when Jesus says that we're to learn from him, what does he mean? Well, he says it starts by taking his yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is what they would use in Jesus' day to harness two oxen together. In case you don't know what one looks like, I brought a picture here with me this morning, so let's go and put this up there. This is a, a picture of a yoke that they would have used during Jesus' time. And they would have put that around, across the shoulders and around the neck of two oxen. Now, get this. Here's what they would typically do. When they would yoke two oxen together, typically they would take... Uh, yoke a young and experienced oxen with an older, more experienced 
oxen. And the younger, inexperienced one would learn from the older, more experienced one because they were tied together. And that's one way that they would train oxen. See, that's what it's like in your relationship with Christ. What Jesus says, he says, hey, take my yoke upon you. That means that you are to pair yourself with Christ. Now, that starts by you choosing to believe in Jesus and by becoming a Christ follower. And see, a lot of people mistakenly think that becoming a Christ follower is just all about getting your sins forgiven. It's not. Now, it starts there. And that's why Jesus died on a cross. He died on a cross so that his death could purchase your forgiveness. So he's willing to forgive you for all of your sins. And that's where it starts. But look, it, it, it doesn't end there. The, the picture that we get from the Bible, and the picture especially we get from this, is that once you become a Christian, that you are then paired with Jesus, that you are tied in with Jesus, just like a young oxen gets tied, a young ox gets tied in with an older ox, and that young ox learns from the older ox in the same way you and I are to learn from Jesus how to live life. It starts with being forgiven, but Jesus teaches us then how to live life. And that's what it really means to be a true Christ follower. So look, if you're hearing that for the very first time in your life, you're like, you've never understood that before, but you're ready now to make a real genuine commitment to become a Christ follower, there's a, there's a prayer that you can pray. It's at the bottom of your message notes on the back. I want you to take them. I want you to pray it now. I want you to pray it at the end of the service, but I want you to pray it today, okay? But here's the deal. So many people think that the, that the, the antidote for legalism is just like, no rules, baby. Just, just, live, just live no rules. Well, it's not. See, because, again, like we talked about, having no rules ends up having the same net effect of having tons and tons of rules that basically no one loves you. But the real problem with no rules is that it also comes with a ton of regret because no one loved you enough to give you rules that would protect you from yourself. And in the long run, you end up having a ton of regret about things that you've done in your life because you didn't know. You didn't know. And, and so, but the image that Jesus gives us is being yoked together with him. That's not an image of no rules. Okay, well then what is the antidote for legalism? Okay, this is what I want you to write down, okay? The antidote for legalism is grace. The antidote for legalism is not no rules. The antidote is grace. See, what Jesus, he never taught that you could just do whatever you wanted to do in life. Like nowhere in the Bible did he ever teach that. In fact, he actually taught that when you live your life, you need to live your life at a higher standard to follow God. But here is what he always taught. That whenever you don't meet that standard, there's grace. Whenever you don't meet that standard, there's grace. And so there's never, what that means is there's never condemnation for not meeting that standard. Even, even for one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, a guy who swore he would go to, to die for Jesus, ended up denying that he even knew Christ. And Jesus didn't point the finger at him. There was no condemnation. Jesus extended him grace. He just said, I love you. And that's what grace is. Grace 
is love that you do not earn. Grace is love that is given for free. That there's no expectation. There's no performance that has to be done prior. It's free and it's undeserved. You don't have to earn it. It's that patience, that care, that understanding, that favor that you do nothing to get. It is freely given. So look, when Jesus says in this passage, he says, hey, take my yoke and learn from me. What is it you got to learn? You have to learn how to give grace. That's what he wants you to learn. He wants you to learn how to love without condition. He wants you to learn how to give love, give grace to someone when they haven't earned it and when they don't deserve it. So that means you need to learn how to love your spouse when he or she has done, they've done nothing to earn it. You gotta learn how to love your kids when your kids have done nothing to earn it. You gotta learn how to love a friend, a coworker, a boss, extended family, whoever it is. You gotta learn how to love them when they've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. And the truth is, it is a learning process, right? Jesus says so. He says, you have to learn it, which is why continually being close to him is so important, okay? Because look, you can't learn from Jesus if you're not close to him. So you have to continually be close to him. Because look, here's the thing. The closer you get to the cross, the closer you get to grace. The farther away you get from grace, the closer you get to legalism. Isn't that true? But look, when you're close to Christ, that's when you can give grace to your spouse when he or she does that same thing that you swear you've talked 50 times about not doing. And so they don't deserve it. But you learn how to give grace. It's when you give grace to your kids when they do it the, a way that you showed them not to do it and they did it again it's like, oh. And so you give grace. It's an opportunity to give grace to that neighbor, neighbor who still hasn't returned your favorite power tool. Like you just give them grace, right? Now look, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you just, that, that, that what you adopt the attitude of saying, oh, you know, hey, it's no big deal. You just keep taking advantage of me. Hey, you just, you, just, you just keep doing whatever you want and pretend like there's no consequences. Hey, you just keep disobeying me. No, 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 I'm not saying that, okay? Like, there ought to be conversations that lead to change, right? But what I am saying is that you don't make your love or your friendship a condition. That's what it is. In fact, you got, honestly, really, when those conversations happen, you have to go out of your way to make sure that that other person knows that your love or your friendship is not a condition because that person has come to the table with their own legalistic issues as well. One thing that really helped me as a kid was, um, was whenever my parents disciplined me, and when I was younger, I mean, they disciplined me by spanking, okay? And so, and I got a lot of them because, like, I needed them. Um, so I'm just telling you, it's a deal. But when my parents, when every time my parents spanked me, every time, they always sat me down and they told me that they loved me. They told me they loved me. And, I, and one time I said, well, then don't spank me. They're, but they were like, no, no, we love you too much not to. I was like, I don't know. I did not understand that as a six-year-old. But they told me they loved me. And they never spanked me when they were mad. They were always like super calm. I was always on the ver- verge of a freak out, right? 
but they were always super calm. They never spanked me when they were mad. But, and here's what that did, did for me. And I, I couldn't have processed this when I was young, but now that I'm older, like I see it and I process it. What it meant for me and the message that I just got as a child was that even though there was a consequence to my actions, my relationship with my parents was still intact. That even though I was receiving a consequence for my actions, the relationship was never in jeopardy. And see, that's what's so amazing about grace. The amazing thing about grace is that it can advance a relationship without putting it in jeopardy. Grace is love that is freely given. It's not deserved. And so the most amazing part about it is that it can help a relationship change and move forward without ever putting it in jeopardy and always keeping it intact. That is what's so amazing about grace. And so we've got to relearn how to treat each other. Okay, the third component is this, and that leads us to this third point. The third point is this, is that I need to rest in his grace. I need to rest in his grace. Look how Jesus wraps it up by saying, in 2nd verse 29, he says, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, look, just in case Jesus was telling the people, hey, just in case this whole, like, you know, take my yoke upon you thing sounds like a religious burden, or if for us, if some church or some denomination or some pastor or some preacher comes along and, says, and starts making us feel like we've got to obey all these rules and do all this stuff in order for God to love us, to like us, then Jesus basically, he's offering some reassurance here. He's saying that, hey, no, 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 like my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if ever following God or following Jesus ever becomes this legalistic burden, if it's heavy, if it's drudgery, then something is off. Something's off. Now look, now don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Jesus never says that following him is easy. I mean, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it really does feel like an ox plowing down some hard ground. But even during those times when it's not easy, there still ought to be joy associated with it. There, there, there still ought to be love and grace. And if there's not, something is off. And look, and here's what people forget. And here's, here's where they get off track and they get sideways in a hurry. This is the part you need to write down, okay? Following Jesus doesn't begin with do. It begins with done. Following Jesus doesn't begin with do, it begins with done. See, we think that in order to follow Jesus, that we gotta go out and we gotta do a bunch of stuff. I need to go and do this, and I need to go and do that. No, 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 no. Christianity does not begin with what you do, it begins with what Jesus has done, right? Begins with what he's done, and what has he done? He died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. His death and resurrection provide the forgiveness that you need so that you don't have to live a guilt-ridden life. You can live a guilt-free life and you can have the power to live a new kind of life. So being a Christ follower, it doesn't start with you and what you do. It starts with Jesus and what Jesus has done. That's what it is. Look, that is such good news. So look, whenever you get to that place in your life where you feel like, feel like you need to go and do something in order to be loved, 
Whenever you feel like you need to go and do something to earn God's favor, when you feel like you need to do something to get God to love you or to get God to like you, you need to remember it's not what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. And you need to go back in your mind and in your heart and you need to remember that. And you might need to remind yourself over that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, as many times as it takes. Because again, look, the closer you get to the cross, the closer you get to grace. The farther away you get from grace, the closer you get to legalism, right? So you have to remember that. And you might need to think about that again and again, because it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. And everything starts there. The reason you do what you do is because you've been so blown away and moved by what Jesus has done. It's not to earn his love, you already have it. In fact, you are supremely loved by God already. And that gives you the freedom then to serve him and walk with him. All right, so here's what I want you to do. In your seat, there was a white luggage tag. Okay, I want you to find that white luggage tag. I want you to find it. And if you can't find yours, then grab one from the seat next to you if it's empty, okay? I want you to take that luggage tag, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to write the first name of the one person on this earth that you know you need to show grace to. The one person on this earth you know you need to show grace to. I want you to write that, their first name on that tag. Now, that, that can be tough because here's the deal. Here's what I can tell you about that person. That person doesn't deserve it. They don't. They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. They don't... They, they have no right to expect it. And all that is true. But remember, grace is giving love when someone hasn't earned it, when they don't deserve it. So I want you to write, that, write the first name of that person on the tag. And then, when you walk out of here today, out in the foyer, um, just, we just kind of scattered around, there are these mesh towers. You might remember from a few weeks ago. I want you to take that tag, and I want you to hang it on that mesh tower. And when you hang it, you, and you're hanging it, you're going to leave it there. And by leaving it there, you're saying to God, God, all of that baggage that comes with that person, all that stuff that makes me not want to show that person grace, I'm, I'm, God, I'm leaving all of that with you. I'm leaving, letting you take care of it. And I am going to walk in grace when it comes to that person. I'm going to treat that person with grace. That's what you're saying. Now look, if you walk outside, you walk by one of those towers, and you see your name hanging there on one of those ladies' tags, okay? All right, it's probably not you, okay? There's probably somebody else that has your name. There's, there's probably more than one person, you know, named Rumpelstiltskin, okay? There's probably more than one person, okay? So look, if it makes you feel weird, write their whole name, write their initial on the tag. I don't really care because look, this is just between you and God. But write that on that tag and you're gonna leave it out there on your way out today. Because look, no matter what kind of past you've come from or wherever it is that you picked it up in life, it is time to unload this burden of legalism and trying to earn love. It is time to let that go. It is time to embrace grace, right? And you can put that heavy burden down of trying to do something in order to be loved because the truth is you are already loved. You are supremely loved loved by God, and it doesn't have anything to do with what you do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done.
I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, for your grace, that you have accepted us and loved us right from the beginning, right but before we ever did anything to earn it or deserve it. And the truth is we can't. And so I ask that you would help us to extend that same grace to other people. And I ask that you would help us, Heavenly Father, to be the kind of people that live grace-filled life, lives because we receive grace from you because of what Jesus has done, and we freely give grace to people in our lives because of what Jesus has done. And so help us, Father, to live that way and let it start with each one of us in receiving and resting in that grace. And help us all stay close to you, Jesus, so that we can learn how to do that better and better every day. And bring us back next week as we wrap up this message series called Stretch Thin. In the name of Jesus, we all pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.